Hey guys, welcome along to episode number 51 of Certain Whitewash. I'm your host, Neil Piper, and with me this evening is Alex. How you doing now? I'm very good. How you doing? You all right? Not too bad. Um, It's been a while since we've spoken. Uh, I think the last show we recorded was in, what, the first... I think it was the first official day of lockdown here in the UK, wasn't it? So that was yeah, what? Yeah, was about that. What's that? That was about 12 weeks ago. Jesus. Right. Well, it was okay. March, March the 23rd was when it was announced. So March 24th was, I think, the day that we uh, we spoke. Right. It's right. Now, okay. June the 14th. I have the worst perception of time passing. It's just <laughs> no idea at all. <laughs> It could be three weeks or six months. I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> it feels the same. Yeah. Well, I kind of keep it, I sort of have it in my head because I listen to all like the usual podcasts and they're sort of putting out one each week, one each week. And each time one comes out, I think, yeah, we should probably uh, get on Skype and record something. Right. Um, so I sort of base on how long we've been on what everyone else has put out, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah. March the 23rd. So that's one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think it'll be eleven, twelve weeks tomorrow. I think. Right. Wow. That's mad. Yeah. <clears throat> I've kind of yeah totally fallen behind with all podcasts because I I haven't been working, so my podcast time is all the uh, driving that I was doing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've got a huge amount of catching up to do pretty mm-hmm. soon. I've I've fa- I've managed to stay fairly all right. Um, I used to listen a lot because um, I had two jobs um, and I'd listened on the commute. And since all this COVID nineteen malarkey, one of them, the one in the school, has now stopped. So I won't be going back there, and I haven't been there since since March. So yeah, that was a whole uh, probably about probably about six hours a week of listening time that I've lost. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think I've managed, I started listening to more podcasts in the dark room now, so I've made up the time there. Yeah, that's cool. When you say it's stopped, is that the job it will continue when once? No, it's it's finished now. It was a it was a year's um, oh. contract, which was supposed to last until the end of this school year, but it doesn't look like the kids are going back um, no. before this school year ends. And if they do, it will be for um, like core things rather than photography. Right. So that's all done. Um, I should probably go back there at some point because I took one on the last day that I left. I, I took one of their digital cameras home to give it a sense of clean so that it would be all right for the students on the next sense day. Sense of clean. That old rules. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was disgusting. It was donated by a, was donated by a teacher. Um, and it took because it took like awful pictures. Well, not because it took awful. He was like, you need to have a look at it because it's really not taking very good pictures. And uh, you. It was scum, like scum all over the sensor, so I cleaned it, and then we never went back. So I need to take that back. Oh, well, that's very good of you. Mm. <laughs> I'm nice like that. Uh, I don't cool. think I'd want it. In. It's not like it was a like 5D Mark III or anything. It was I can't remember what it is. Sony thing, I think. Anyway. There you go. So do you reckon there'd be uh, you know with that happening again? Is it possibility of it happening again next year, or is it just? Things are too up in the air at the moment. Or? No, I think, well, this school, at least, it was uh, strictly a, a year's thing. Um, 
it was I was brought into it was kind of odd because I was brought into uh, teach the teachers how to teach photography if that makes sense. All right. So it was it was a one year funding thing that they had for this particular school for that reason. So that's now done and dusted. So there's other things in the pipeline now anyway. Um, oh, cool. That we're going to replace it. I'll tell you about another time. Still early days yet. Cool. So um, yeah, I think we we were talking before recording, and for both of us, it's been an awful lot of um, what do you call it? Quarantine walks. Yeah. That fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was every day walking down the canal uh, near the house. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's, it's only so many times I can. You say <laughs> take... that, and everyone says it, says this. Like, you, t- you do seem to have, in my eyes, a much more interesting place to be locked down and quarantined than my sort of small housing estate here in, in Suffolk. But do um, you, you get bored of it just like I get bored of the housing estate, I suppose? Well, yeah, well, I, I'm lucky. I suppose I got this is just all I know. So, um, yeah, it, it is great. Within a short walk, there is, you know, I've got a beach not far, um, and the canal and a hill next to the house as well. So between them, I, I, you know, there is a lot here to have a look at and wander around. So yeah, no, I am, you know, very lucky really. And I suppose some of that must it must kind of change that you can get a lot of, a lot of sort of different scenes that through different lighting through being there at different times of the day or different times of the year is that fair to definitely say? yeah totally yeah it completely changes even just um like today i went down there and it had changed massively over the last couple of days from the rain the, the grasses and things on the um fen and around the canal had shot up massively yeah. so um yeah things just look really different so yeah it's, oh, it's amazing really it's good yeah, we don't yeah. really get that in our sort of mid-Suffolk housing estates. The only thing I've really sort of noticed recently is everybody's grass is turning to sand because we haven't had any rain in a while. Right. Well, <laughs> I've just been chucking it down for the last couple of days, on and off. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So this thing's gone mad. It's been absolutely glorious here today. But yeah, um, like, like I sort of mentioned to you, before we started recording, like there's only so much I feel I can walk around these housing estates and capture... Because we haven't lived here that long, you sort of, and before this lockdown really occurred, I hadn't really walked around it all that much. So you start walking around it, and you notice kind of interesting things, and then you walk around it again, and you think, oh, there's a few more interesting things, and then it kind of, for me at least, it drops right off, and it's just I'm just stuck on a housing estate now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose there's, I guess if it's something that's just been built from a drawing at the same time, then there's, there probably wasn't much, they cleared it before building what was there. Whereas here yeah. I'm kind of lucky because there's remains of old industry because there was an oil refinery, but half a mile away, which is entirely gone, well, almost entirely gone. Right. But there's, there are little bits of it left in the woods. And I've got sort of, um, well, 150 year old canal and then 120 year old <laughs> railway bridge going over it. In, in right. the woods no i haven't um, really got so, like that. the closest i've got is the the old railway that i was photographing for for my ma project like what's left of that but that's but i've well photographed that now um yeah and even up until we were sort of allowed to go a little bit further uh, recently that was sort of off 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 bounds as it were it was a little bit too far away to justify to justify walking, yeah. really at least any sort of vaguely interesting part of it 
a lot that you had to drive to. Right. So, I mean, it's it's been all right. I've done some, um, managed uh, a couple of weeks ago to get the speed graphic out and took a few shots with that along the old railway line and um, went out when I go out on Friday, I think it was, a couple of days ago, took my youngest for a little walk along there and just took a little um, point and shoot along, basically just to test that it works before I try and sell it. Um, yeah. So I've been managing to get a little bit of photography done, but nothing, nothing really groundbreaking. Yeah, I I seem to have had encounters with creepy crawlies mainly, um, well from yes. lizards and uh, bees and yesterday no no day before yesterday I saw this massive beetle crossing the the canal towpath. Never seen anything like it before. It was bigger than a maybug, and it was it turned out to be um, a great diving beetle. It's thirty mil. Oh, yeah, I've heard end of it. to end. I'd never seen one. Um, I was going to pick it up, but my sort of instinct of, like, <laughs> I was just kind of a bit scared of it because it was huge. Um, but lucky it didn't because apparently they give quite a nasty bite because they, they hunt newts and yes. uh, they, they eat tadpoles and all sorts of stuff. I'd never seen them before. Um, but I yeah. Think, I don't think I've ever seen one. I seem to have some sort of memory of when you were at school and you used to go on like field trips to go pond dipping. Did you ever do that? And they told yeah. you like what kind of things you might come across, and that was kind of on the list. But no one ever came across one because they were quite rare, and everyone right. always wanted to find one because they were huge. But that definitely rings a bell about them eating eating newts and things. Yeah, that's amazing looking thing. So I, I trust you pulled out like a, a sort of macro rig, and you done some nice sort of macro shots of it, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Camera yeah. Plus in iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> the Camera Plus iPhone app is brilliant. Actually, it's it's you've got a macro setting and you you can get much much closer. Um, you've got really good control over focusing exposure, and you can even alter the aperture. Um, you've got full sort of man. Well, yeah, pretty full manual controls for the for the camera that's in there. So it's awesome. Is that a- yeah? Well, you know for it is, yeah, yes. I, I can't remember. I've had it so long. I don't know if I paid for it or whatever, but it was a separate app, yeah. Yeah, well, um, I'm trying to find the app store now. I yeah, my Camera Plus 2. It's really good for white balance as well. My living room has got blue walls and a lot of oak, oak floor and things, mm-hmm. and it, the normal camera doesn't have a clue what to do in the room because it's just going from it picks up on the cool blue color and then the warm wood color and any sort of skin color just looks really strange right, uh, but, yeah. you, but you can just really quickly click like cloudy daylight whatever tungsten or and it's just spot on there it's really good okay. yeah say, it looks like it's been replaced by camera plus two which is 4.99 mm. oh, right, okay the first oh. review says best camera app. So, mm. well, good. apparently, it says you can shoot in RAW as well, but I don't really know how that works. I think some of the newer iPhones can shoot in RAW. Right. Yeah. I'm it, pretty sure. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Not not something I'm very sort of clued up on, to be honest. But. No. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, there you go. Good app. <laughs> Not if you're going to spend a fiver on it, though. Mm. Um, maybe, maybe I did spend something like that, but I've just—it's so long ago. I 
can't remember it, but it, it is handy. I don't. I, I think I have. I have spent money on camera apps on on my iPhone before, but then I don't use the camera enough to warrant. I don't use the camera for that type of photography to 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 need all these different settings on it. I use my. In fact, the past week or so, I've been running out of space on my iPhone. It's not a new one. It's a sort of couple of years old, but it had like ten thousand pictures on it. <laughs> and I and I was sort of going through them because I was like, I need to get rid of some of this shit because it's just too much space it's taking up. And I was going through them, and I realised that I the I solely use my iPhone camera to capture like off the cuff pictures of the kids and as a like a way of documenting stuff that I need to remember, like yeah. photographing the shopping list or or shit like that. Yeah, yeah, um, or just odds and sods for for Instagram. And that's all I use it for. So I don't think an app where you can change the shutter speed and the white balance is going to make, certainly not for a fiver, I don't think that's going to be of any use to me, really. No, probably, probably not. I think I probably wouldn't buy it now, but it's good to have. I think I've used, I found it useful recently because I've been trying to sell gear on uh, eBay, like uh, guitar stuff, yeah. really. Um, so just taking good photos. Um, it's been, well, it's been good for the creepy crawly. <clears throat> Um, but yeah, the, and then taking shots of stuff in the house for eBay. Uh, it's yeah, been, it's been yeah, really okay, that makes, yeah, makes sense. Again, for stuff like that, I have a little. Um, I don't even know what it is. Uh, in fact, it's right here because my daughter's been using it because she's been kind of half interested in photography. It's a little Canon. Uh, PowerShot SX2. 10 cool it's just a little just a little digital camera i don't even know how many megapixels mega blah, megapixels it is yeah, 14.1 i picked, up, at a, picked it up at a car boot south in a, a big um so i can't remember if i told this story before i was at a boot sale a couple of years ago i think it was and i picked up a basket of cameras like a little wicker basket and I noticed in there there was a, a Leica Mini 2 and a, a Nikon um, AF3 and a couple of other odds and sods. And I was like, how much do you want for this? And she was like, oh, a fiver for the whole lot. So I bought the whole lot and one of these little cameras was in there. And it's actually, so I had one when I first, when I first got into photography was when me and uh, my now wife were in Europe about nine or ten years ago. I had one of those as like the camera that I took with me. And that was the camera that kind of got me into photography. So it was kind of nice that I managed to pick up another one and that now my daughter's expressed an interest in sort of photography and she uses it. So right. I mean, it's nothing special, but a certain amount of sentimental value to it, I suppose. No, that's cool. But anyway, that's the camera that I, I used noticed. to photograph stuff for eBay. It was the point right. of that long-winded story. Right, right. I talk about kids being interested. I find that my kids are, are become... Um, like thousands of times more interested in what I'm interested in the closer it gets to bedtime. I find about oh, yeah, yeah. Half, half an hour before they go to bed, they're like, oh, can you, can you teach me how to play guitar? Or how does a camera work, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I just kind of fall for it initially. I'm just yeah. that rabbit in a way. I'm like, oh, what time is it? Yeah, it's bedtime. He's talking, breathing. It's right past bedtime. <laughs> yeah, nice job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Molly has, Molly has expressed interested in it and it was just quite nice so she 
I just sort of put it, I mean, it, it shoots in full manual, which is nice. Um, I sort of gave it to her and just sort of stuck it on auto mode. And was like, there you go, go and take some pictures and see what you get. And then, and that was fine. And then she wanted to know what the other little, so it's got like the dial on it. She was like, what does AV mean? What does TV mean? And I was like, oh, without going into too much of it, that's how you sort of take more creative pictures of it and they control different aspect, aspects of how you take a picture. And without sort of knowing all about the exposure triangle, I couldn't really sort of go into it with her. But just bear in mind, she's only seven. Um, yeah. So she was like, I'd, I'd really quite like to know. So I was like, okay. Um, so I put it onto um, shutter priority and sort of showed her how to change the shutter speed. And I said, here you are, go out in the garden. And no, I didn't, sorry. I put it, I had. To, I tried to do that. Uh, I said to her, change this little dial. So change these numbers, which are the shutter speeds, and tell me how the picture changes. Um, so she went out in the garden, and she took a load of pictures, came back, and she was like, well, they, they kind of all look the same. I was like, what do you mean they look the same? To me, I was thinking they should either be lighter or darker or, or blurry or sharper. And uh, I realised that on shutter priority, it changes the um, yeah. aperture and the ISO to compensate for that fact. So I was like, shit, that didn't work. Here you go. And I put it on manual, like fully manual, and just and then told her to change, how to change the shutter speed. And then she came back and she was like, well, they're really blurry now, or they're really dark, or they're really, really light. I was like, okay. And tried to explain to her that she needs to sort of understand how, how adjusting that figure, how adjusting those shutter speeds affects the picture like what shutter speeds make it too light what shutter speeds make it too dark and such and she kind of got that and then she was like yeah now i want to know what the other one is i'm not going to sort of go into basically i I can't teach you full manual just yet you you need to really sort of get your head around this properly first and that was a couple of days ago and she hasn't really spoke about it since so it's a tricky one isn't it because it is like you've got a you kind of need a to take on board the whole thing really to kind of get what's going on like the exposure triangle it yeah. does you, you kind of it's the interplay between the three things that that creates the exposure so it's like well it is quite a difficult thing i've made yeah. this mistake in the past when people have got in touch through somebody like a friend or a friend of a friend or whatever or yeah it's usually been a friend of a friend like a friend of mine that has said oh somebody i know wants a camera what's a good camera for them to get and i've just assumed that um that they're like me and i want to know all about photography but really the first question should be and it was somebody else that made this point i can't remember who you should just ask do you want to just take a photograph or do you want to know the inner workings of, you know, do you really want to understand like how the photo is kind of made on a deeper level? And yeah. either answer to that is 100% fine, obviously. But yeah. if you're if, like me, if you assume somebody wants to know like about the manual, you know, to shoot with a manual camera, um, if you assume that and advise that they get a, I don't know, whatever, some manual camera, then you totally kind of put them off photography. Whereas I'm sure that there are some fantastic photographers who never really cared about that kind of thing, that they can just kind of compensate the exposure you know, using aperture priority or whatever, and not really worry about the workings of it and still have, a you know, be fantastic artists. Um, it's kind of like, 
what kind of person are you? Do you want to, is it, you know, do you want to know all about, you know, do you care about the workings of it? Is that going to be fun? Because I'm sure, you know, for me, that's fun. But for a lot of people, that's probably just like a massive headache and just boring. Yeah. I so, think, like you say, it depends what you're going to take a picture of. I mean, I could quite imagine that if you were a, if you were a sports photographer, you're, you're, Maybe this is a bit general, and I probably shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't say it. But you're only go on, generalize. Go on. No, you'll criticize you. <laughs> you're only going to be interested in in shutter speed, are you not? Um. Well. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. That is. You want to maximize, not, minimize really that. Yeah, that's yeah. your priority, I guess. Although I suppose. Um. But then I suppose again, you need to know what you can change to be able to. Yeah, to, I guess it, it it's got to it's got to reach a point where your depth of field becomes so shallow that it can you can miss all the action or focusing can become a real problem. Although I suppose everybody just uses incredibly fast autofocus lenses and you know realistically now I suppose it's all, all kind of computer controlled. I suppose, okay, um, yeah. but yeah. That's in it. I suppose you then do have to know the full exposure triangle to to know that you can bump your ISO or open up your aperture and how far you can open up your aperture before that depth of field gets too razor sharp. And yeah. You use your ISO to compensate for it. So what I said was in fact yeah. complete bullshit. So forget about that. That's all right. <clears throat> you should just use your sports finder on your rolly. <laughs> <laughs> on F8. Does that make me a sports photographer? <laughs> it must do. Yeah. My sportiest I've ever been. My speed graphic has a sports finder. Maybe Does I'll try it? and use that. Yeah, yeah. There's a little one that pulls up out the front of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, mine did. I had a, um, a speed graphic briefly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that had like a, a wire thing which came up off the front standard. That's right, yeah. Pulls up out the front and then it's got on the sort of back of the camera yeah. itself like a little bit that flicks up as well. Which yeah, I actually makes me a sports photographer yeah well but yeah or all, all the gear no idea like myself yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god you wouldn't know that we had uh, some notes to follow would you no i've got a blank page in front of me so it's, it's almost like we're just winging this and making it up as we go along <laughs> right let's let's just kick this back to where it maybe should be so you wrote a while back now that you had been shooting in uh, focal lengths that are outside your normal comfort zone. What That's have right. you been shooting? That was a, yeah, that was, that was a conscious deci- decision. Um, right. I, I always, well, I think for quite a few years I've sort of stuck to 50 and 35, um, mil lenses on my Olympus gear. Um, mm. which is pretty much what I shoot all the time. Um, well, no, okay, I do shoot other, a lot of other things, but, but for kind of SLRs, the I've either only got 50s for a few SLRs, and then for the my main Olympus cameras, I've got a range of them, and i kind of just fallen into really enjoying 50, which I didn't used to enjoy years, you know, many, many years ago. Um, but yeah, that and 35, so I'd kind of just stuck to those, and I, I've got plenty of other lenses, which are great. Um but yeah, just around the start of lockdown, um, I just thought, right, I'm gonna go out with um, a 28 
and a 135. And just, you know. Just a 28 and a 135. Yeah. Nothing in Leave the 50 and 35 at home. Yeah, just do that. I, I wanted to um, kind of play with <clears throat> the 28, the fact that on a bright day, you can stop it down to like F11, then you don't really have to focus. Because I think from anything from about a meter in front of you to infinity is it in focus. Um, and I wanted to get very low angle shots of the kids just kind of going about stuff, going taking the dog for a walk and traipsing down to the beach and things. And just having that freedom of not having to, fo- you know, having to focus and actually getting down to their, their level. My little boy is tiny, and most photos are, you know, I know not to just point to the cameras down to them, so they're just surrounded by floor, but um, I just realised there aren't many photos from Oscar's kind of perspective, so I wanted to get kind of shots from his shoulder, just with his kind of profile in at the world as, as he kind of sees it. Um, I wanted to do the same for the dog as well. Um, so I got quite a few shots of Susie, the, the dog, um, being walked and looking up kind of just from her sort of nose, looking at the camera, up at her and then Kim, my wife, kind of holding on the lead. Um, but it's just are great. Getting, are you actually getting down there to that height or are you just holding the camera down? I'm not looking. You? Yeah, I'm not looking through it. Just It's wide enough not to really worry about the viewfinder right. and um, bright enough and... Uh, you know, it's wide enough not to really worry about focusing and, yeah, just kind of holding it wherever. And um, I got a lot of shots of Hannah jumping waves. Yep. The particular part of Swansea Bay where I am is, um, there's never big waves really, but just getting the camera right down it at the water level as, as she's sort of jumping over the, these pretty tiny waves. But they look quite spectacular <laughs> in, in the shots. Um, but it's... Um, yeah, it, it kind of worked out really well. They're all sharp and um, kind of, yeah, all the focusing and everything is pretty good. I haven't shared that many of them. There's been a couple I've put up on Instagram. Um, but that's been great. Just Although I, I did go out over two days, we went on two walks where I was shooting away. When I first kind of had this idea, um, I was really excited to kind of go out and shoot and my OM40 has done this to me a couple of times where I've shot through an entire roll of film without the film catching at the start. Oh, no. And the, the best, yeah, it was really kind of, I got home, I was like, wow, awesome. I'm really, really pleased with the shots it got. And then realised, <laughs> I think maybe on like the last shot, I just watched the spool thing and thought, why didn't I look at that like once during this and just right. realised that it wasn't turning every time I advanced the film. How I can still do that after all these years um, so that just remember the 40 is still mechanical is it is n- it doesn't no it's not it's um it's it's like the om2n basically but more plasticky um, so it, you you have a, a you physically advance the film on it doesn't do it for you yeah that's right yeah right. yeah yeah. So I get you. So you should have been able to see the thing on the left turning around but you didn't look at yeah. it is that what you're saying I, right, that's right i <clears throat> We, I just never look at it. I don't know what's oh, when it matters. I don't look at it. I don't think whole, I. To be honest, I don't think I really look at at that. I just load the film properly. <laughs> yeah, I guess I just yeah. I just assume that it's working and 
it usually does. I don't think, I think I've been lucky and I've only ever done that a couple of times. Oh, I've been, you know, I did it at uh, Oscar's birthday last year. as a role, right? I did shoot a few roles. It was all right. And it was halfway through the party. I realized, oh, hang on, this isn't, uh, (laughs) this isn't working. But also as well, I think when I load my 35 mil, I use a lot of it, like sort of, I'll put it in, wind it, and I'll watch it go, and I'll watch it go, and then I'll shut the back, and then I'll wind it on a couple more times. So I know generally that it's gone. That's Actually, that's true, and I think that's where I've been caught out because I was changing film at Oscar's party where I was rushing because there was something I wanted to catch. Um, So I wasn't thinking clearly, and that walk where I was shooting wide angle, we were going out the door and I realised the camera didn't have film in it. So it was like, come on, come on, come on, we've got to go, we've got to go. And we were going in a hurry because we had something else that we had to do later on. Yeah. So Kim's kind of at the door shouting at me, like, come on, come on, find the lead, <laughs> find the poo bags for the dog. And all I'm doing is just loading the camera with the film. And yeah, so I rushed it and I, I didn't really think about it or check it properly. So yeah, that's it. Don't just... Yeah think but yeah, be like be like neil and waste a bit more film making sure that you've done it yeah i think the only time i do i have had it before actually is when you have um you know when you have like a compact camera and you just sort of push it the push the leader in a little bit and then you shut it and it winds it on for you then yeah. i'm always a little bit like has it hasn't it because you've got no way of checking i think one of my cameras my nikon air3 has a little, I don't even know what you call it. Like if you look at the, the back, just above the back door on the camera, it's got like a little yellow and black cog. The stripey sort, of, yes. sort of thing that moves. That's right, yeah. yeah. And that moves, you can see that that moves as the film is being taken up. But that's the only camera I've got that that I know that the film has definitely taken in. Everything else I just put it in and assume that the camera's done its job. Right. So... I had a camera like that. I can't, can't remember what it was. No idea. Mm. I did I used to have a few point-and-shoots. I think I've lent them to people. At this point, I think I've got more point-and-shoots than um, like SLRs or anything else. Mm. Yeah, I suppose they're so commonly kind of... They were so popular <laughs> that they find their way to you, don't they? People are like, yeah, you're sure. a sanctuary for cameras yeah so yeah and you always say yeah yeah i'll have a camera yeah, yeah i'll definitely take it i'll definitely take it before you know what it is thinking it's going to be something great <laughs> and it's always a piece of time it's yeah i got this really old camera really yeah seriously yeah, yeah. <clears throat> 90s, the, 90s plastic champagne oh, color <laughs> yeah the, the best one of those i ever got was someone said i found this really old camera while i was cleaning out my cupboard i think it's like a, an olympus uh, trip or something like that i was like yeah well yeah i'll have one of them i'll find that a good home and when it turned up not only was it not an olympus trip it wasn't even 35 mil it was a konica aps camera and i was like oh no where did you get <laughs> olympus trip from and then give me this piece of tat so I said, I said to her i was like just for future reference this isn't an olympus trip this is a blah 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 and she said oh well maybe yeah i must have had an, i had an olympus trip maybe when i was younger i don't know do you want to yeah yeah i'll I think- take it I think the trip is so, um, it's kind of like the brownie, really. It is 
um, everybody knows what a box brownie is. And I think pe- everybody's heard of an Olympus trip, so they assume small yeah. cameras in the 70s, 80s or whatever. Right? Are all I bet that's the first name people think of. Maybe. I think as well, because um, Olympus put the trip name on an awful lot of plastic cameras after the sort of famous trip, didn't they? So Yeah. She had one of those that looked... Because to be fair, it does, from what I remember, look like one of those plasticky trips. So maybe she had one of those as well. Right. I've got um, a, a plasticky point-and-shoot that I was given, which is um, an AF-1, I think it is, a mini. It's like a, a, a splash-proof or kind of weather-proof little Olympus point-and-shoot. I okay. think it's related to the Mu one right yeah, if yeah. i think it's got the same lens in it not the mu2 because it's not as wide an aperture or whatever but it's, it it does work so well it's, it takes really stunning shots i've shot um a lot of landscapes with it and um, in our case very sort of favorable light and things but the the lens is incredibly sharp yeah um it's just amazing for such a naff looking tiny cheap thing it's it really competes well with all my kind of more professional gear <laughs> actually i say that most of my stuff is kind of consumer end <laughs> or old dodgy stuff so i think yeah. mine is as well nothing is particularly I'm, okay i got no um i got my om stuff like but most of my om cameras are like an om10 an om40 i've got the om2n i have which is probably the, I don't know, I guess maybe some professionals use them. You know, yeah, I think so. Well. What was um, the difference between the 2N and the, and the 1? It's got an electronic shutter, so you need it does need the battery. Whereas the, I think the 1, oh, okay. which I've never had one, is purely mechanical, isn't it? Just the meter is yeah, fed just, by the battery. But without right, a yeah. battery, the shutter won't fire with the 2N. Oh, okay. Um, right. So, it, yeah. But, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it is a lovely camera. But, uh, uh, but yeah, apart from that, I think mine are, like, I, I had that, I think we talked about it before, but my Yushika J5, which I yes. thought yeah. was, like, wow, that's quite a nice, you know, refined kind of looking purely mechanical camera. But then Lyndon opened it up and told me that, no, it's basically just very low-end technology <laughs> inside. I was, like, sort of fishing for, like, Oh, this is a bit of a gem, you know, a bit of an un, yeah, a sleeper kind of camera. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. no, it's basically just crap, but you know, <laughs> it works. So <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah, enjoy it till it breaks again. I'm not going to fix it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, d- he didn't really want to get too involved with it as it was. He changed the light seals on it, and he said it's just, you know, don't really do a full service on it because it is working, right. and you know. It's not really worth spending that much money on it or you know, the uh, the time doing it. So it's like, oh, okay, fair enough. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, I I trust his opinion on it over anybody else's. To be fair. Yeah, definitely. One of the best. Yeah, he's really honest guy, isn't he? Very sort of. Um, you can tell that when he's kind of talking about repairing cameras, he's very. Um, he doesn't speak in absolutes, which I really like. He's kind mm-hmm. of very sort of nuanced approach to everything and uh, has got a his own kind of t- take on... A, 
it seems like everybody else has got these sort of very sort of hard and fast rules about um, things or very kind of strong opinions. But then he, when he's kind of faced with those opinions, he's like, well, actually, yeah, I kind of know, he sort of knows that it's more complicated than that. And he just seems to speak from really, really good experience. Yeah. Which is kind of refreshing when the internet and is just so filled with like strong opinions yeah. the interviews I've heard with him um, I've been kind of taken back by the fact that like oh, yeah, he's actually kind of not trying to be kind of sensational in his like I, I don't know um, kind of rambling now but yeah you know what I mean he's kind of he clearly does genuinely speak from very sort of first hand experience and yeah. knows his subject so well yeah, yeah. I need, I need to send. I'd like to send my OM one down to him because that's still that's still not working properly. Um, to the point where that I don't dare trust send, uh, putting a roll of film for it at the moment because it's just it's wasting more frames than than it's actually capturing. Right, so, what's he doing? So I, I can't remember if I mentioned it before, but it it only does it annoyingly when it's got a film in it. But you'll put so you put the film in it and you wind it on and. So you wind it and then you'll compose your shot, you'll take your shot, you press your shutter. And and sometimes it will it will it will fire properly, so the mirror will open, shutter will go, and it will be fine. And then other times you press the button and it it seems like the mirror goes I don't know whether the mirror goes up but the shutter doesn't. It seems like the mirror goes up but the shutter doesn't fire. And you need to only way that the shutter fires if you is if you then wind the film on does that make sense so you wind the film on and and you hear it and you hear it go so and and then and then once you've done that it then won't take a picture until you wound it on again so you you just end up wasting a lot of film because you don't know where it's taken the shot so you then go and do it again and then it does work properly, so you think that's fine. They're going to take another shot, and then it fails, so you do it again, and you end up with like half a dozen actual decent pictures on a roll. So it's kind of it's sitting on the shelf now until I can afford to send it away to someone that can sort of actually tell me whether it's repairable or not. Yeah. So oh, I mean, yeah, have a, have a chat with him. I'm sure you'd know. You probably recognise from that description. It'd be something he's pretty familiar with. I would have thought. Hopefully. Because I've sort of I've I had a problem a with people before, and they're like, "No, I've never heard of anything doing that before. That doesn't make any sense." So, but they haven't been like proper repairers. They've just been like people on like Olympus user forums and stuff. Yeah, I talked to him first, certainly, and then if as if he did, if he said, "Look, it's not my sort of thing," which I think I think it probably would be, to be honest, his sort of thing. But uh, I did send mine to the Luton camera repair place, and they yeah. were Olympus specialists, but they still are. Um, and I did have a bit of a bit of trouble with them, but I don't think it was really their fault. I think it's kind of the fact that it's just an old camera and it had multiple kind of issues. Right, right. Um, but mine, it had a problem with the light meter, uh, but it had a mechanical issue as well where I, I would fire the shot, wind on, and then before the next shot, I always check it's wound on and I find I could wind on again and it didn't right. seem to matter. It was kind of, I could repeatedly wind on sometimes. Um, okay. Whereas it shouldn't, yeah, it should sort of lock, shouldn't it? And you, you know, unless you yeah. fire the shutter, but yeah, I found my, 
may owe him to would just there's some sort of mechanism in there which had failed and uh, or had yeah it was kind of intermittent but uh, I take a shot that wind on and then five minutes later go to take another shot check and then wind on again and sure enough yeah there was I was getting filmed back with um, you know loads of missing frames we just been continuously winding it on yeah yeah, thinking yeah. Did I, I'm sure I did that last time because I'm just in the hab. But every time I take a shot, I wind on. I do it with yeah. everything. Yeah, I do as well. It's just yeah, because it's the only time I can trust myself to be thinking about it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, um, it's not been too much of an issue at the moment because uh, I was actually given a, a Canon A1 um, a few months ago, and that sort of that's working really well. And I'm actually really liking that camera at the moment. I used a I have got an AE1 program as well, which I was using beforehand, and I sort of know the Canon system fairly well. And although I prefer, I prefer using the Olympus because it's it's really light and it's it just it sounds and feels a lot nicer in my opinion than the Canon. Yeah. This A this A1 is in really really decent nick. Like when the guy gave it to me, he was like, oh, it's in it's in really got quite good condition," and he sort of handed it over, and I looked at the case, and I was like. That is not good condition, pal. That looks like that's been run over by a truck. And then when I when I opened it up, I was like, "Oh fuck me! This camera is actually in really good nick." Um, like there wasn't a mark on it. The only actual mark on it was on the bottom plate where I don't think you really get them anymore. But you used to get like those UV pens to write like you'd write like your name and your postcode on things. Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's the only mark that it had on this camera is that you could just see the the postcode, right. like his postcode on the bottom of it. And it works and it works great. Obviously, the case has done its job fairly well. It's got the um, the little squeal that you get with most cannons, but I don't care. It works fine. But that's oh, kind that's of taking cool. the place of my OM at the moment. Awesome. Yeah, Canon's a weird one for me. I had a Canon Digital, just a, a G15 or was it G15? I think it was. Right. Which was a little... It was a fantastic little digital compact camera but it had manual controls on it which is why i went for it mm-hmm. um but other than that oh and I, I did have a canon p as well briefly which had problems but i've never really had canon i've never had a canon slr no. um so it's just one of those brands that is i suppose it's like if you've kind of always had like adidas shoes and then sure, like yeah. there's nike or whatever it's just the the other brand that you haven't really tried i had a few nikons and then when Changed to Olympus, um, but they, they're like the other major camera producer. Um, but it's, they're just yeah, kind of never had one. It's just that kind of odd thing. It's like Vauxhall drivers. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like the the camera that I mentioned earlier that I took traveling with me was a Canon. So then I sort of got into that and understood that. And then when I got my first DSLR, that was a, a Canon because obviously I knew Canon and I knew that they were half decent, so I went with that, and then I think I got my my AE1, and that was, no, then I got a a 500N, which is like one of the old 90s plasticky ones, and that was, using that was pretty much the same as the 600D that I had, or like all the controls were in pretty much the same place, Yeah. and then sort of then moved to the AE1 program, and yeah, you just... You should kind of stick with what you know, I suppose, don't you? Like, you I, say, yeah, like, I get, like Vauxhall I, drums. I, yeah, Vauxhall, yeah. It's like 
that's the BSA to my Norton kind of thing. <laughs> but I, and I guess that gets more that's more relevant in the digital kind of thing because I, I guess thirty-five mil SLRs or whatever they're you know not really different, are they? They're all everything's no. kind of in the same place with them pretty much. Well, I guess Olympus is a bit different, but um, well, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you say that because yeah, a lot of yeah, most film SLRs where you can change if you can change the aperture and the ISO and the shutter speed, it's all sort of it might be done slightly differently, like via a dial or like the Olympus has done on the dials on the barrels and things. But it's all yeah. sort of visually sort of there and it's fairly easy to work out how to do it. I listened to um uh oh Christ his name's gone out of my head. Ian Turpins, the ordinary photographer. Have you heard his podcast? Ian Turpin. Uh, I must have done and the name's really familiar. Yeah. What's he, what's the what's the name of the podcast? He's just started a new podcast called The Ordinary Photographer. Oh, and right. it's just him sort of talking about um his photographic life and teaching and things. But he released an episode yesterday, maybe. Uh where he when it, he mentioned about how he when he teaches his classes he has um some students come up to him and they they sort of thrust the camera at him and uh sort of like say i don't know how to change i want to i know i want to change the shutter speed but i don't know how to do it and he made like a really good point that how like a lot of these new digital cameras you can although you can change the shutter speed and all those things it's sort of buried deep into menus and it's not like the first thing that's it's not sort of an easily available obvious thing to do whereas like with your film cameras that's pretty much all you did with them you didn't you didn't go into sub menus looking to change i don't even know what you can change on new digital cameras like the the white balance for instance and uh like I don't even know. I don't even know what you can change on new digital cameras. But you know I, what yeah, I mean. There's, there's the like, file like, format and stuff like that. Yeah, JPEG and yeah, yeah, raw and it's those. Yeah, it's quite sort of. Yeah, like yeah, no, I, totally the point really, that he made was like with a lot of sort of new digital cameras. Those are the easy things to change because they're what people, the, the manufacturers think people want to actually change. But to change what we deem is fairly important and sort of normal things are buried yeah. deep in little sub menus, and yeah. yeah. I That's why I went for the Canon the, that G15 mentioned was yeah. um, because I'd grown up with film cameras. I I wanted the cheapest thing that was half decent I could get that um, I could assign physical controls on the body for shutter speed and aperture. And I think they were about 400 quid, I think, if you bought them here. But I got a grey import for pretty much half the price and no warranty. Right. <laughs> And uh, it was great. It didn't, you know, never went wrong. I sold it. I think I got kind of more than what I paid for it because I got it so cheap from Hong Kong yeah, yeah. <laughs> or wherever it was, it, wherever it came from. Um, and yeah, quite a few years later, I sold it for, I'm sure it's more than I paid for it. But um, yeah, the, the, the very sort of small amount of research I did into the camera was just, it just confirmed that, yeah, I could have physical controls on the body that would allow me to adjust the um shut speed aperture and the exposure compensation mm-hmm. when i'm in aperture priority so it was like great it's like my practica <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of yeah that's as good as it needed to be 
if it done the job, if it done yeah. the job, then then it's actually good. Fun, it? I think it was quite a small sensor size. So, but to be honest, when I had it, I didn't really have any idea of any of that sort of thing. So it didn't really matter. No. Um, I mean, there's a lot banded out about sensor size, isn't there? But yeah, it's it's never been an issue to me. I've never owned a full frame digital camera, and I've worked professionally with photography, and it's never been a problem so far. So yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, it didn't certainly didn't bother me for my messing about, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But that was the last. That was the best digital camera that I had. Um, Kim. My wife then bought uh, a Canon entry level. Is it a thousand D or D thousand or whatever it is? I'm not sure. But it's like the the, yeah. the basic. I think that's a crop sensor as well. Yeah, they are. Um, which, yeah, that was a, that seemed great. Um, yeah, they're fine. Should, I mean, should, I had like I say, I had a six hundred D, which is on a few rungs up the ladder from that, and that served me well. And I still do use it every now and again. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll use it. It's upstairs. I think I will use it when I get the Pixel later, because it'll be the only. That's the only digital camera in the house now. So, ah, um, um, oh, the Pixel later. Yeah, but apparently, <laughs> I saw on Twitter or Facebook or something that no, it was the Pixel later group on Facebook. Um, somebody had an email saying that theirs was on their way or something. Ooh, so, really? yeah, yeah, I think so. Anyway, pretty sure. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. I really, yeah. really, I, I was, I was scanning something the other day, and I was just getting so frustrated with it. I actually sent Hamish a message saying, "Like, you need to, you need to find some way of sorting this lockdown out because I can't <laughs> handle these. I can't handle these scanner trays much longer." <laughs> That's it, Hamish. Sort out lockdown. Sort out lockdown, please. <laughs> sort out this whole global pandemic, just so we can have this fantastic product. Because I've still got, I've got one of his. Uh, beta like a very early beta ones and i still use that um but i haven't i haven't as yet rigged up something i basically my problem is that i don't have a lens um to that can focus close enough to get good um like raw files of my my nigs so when i use my my beta pics later i tend to just use my use my iphone for just quick stuff yeah. like that i think i'll be doing that a lot for 4 by 5 stuff i'm pretty sure i'll just kind of snap away with the phone because uh i'm sure that'll be good enough for you know i'm only what am i doing i'm sharing to instagram or whatever and um th- I, i'm really looking forward to doing that because yeah. scanning is is i don't know it's, it seems to be so narrow the dynamic range of the, the scanners um, the phone. Whenever I take a phone shot of a of a negative, even though it's you know you kind of have to do it pretty close up, um, so the pixels are kind of a bit crap. But the you know the, the contrast and the definition and well, the detail that you can see seems to be so much better. Better yeah. in some ways. No, I'll agree with that. Yeah, you know, not the sharpness, but no. I think all I need from it is because I I am at the moment with my four by five scanning like you taught me to do in two bits and then stitching them together in or letting photoshop stitch them together and that's doing a, an all right job with that but i don't i don't have um an enlarger that takes them but 
and I'm not really interested in making big enlargements, but I am interested in doing sort of some more alternate process with them. So if I can, if my phone can capture a decent, um, like copy of it that I can use to make a digital neg with, then I think yeah. that'd be, that'd be what I'd be after. So as long as my phone has the capability to do that, then I'll be happy doing that. That's cool. I, I've got a four by five enlarger in the cellar, which will eventually be my dark room. That's mm-hmm. got a bit closer in the last couple of weeks. Oh. Um, but the it's it's a, it's a kind of t- the bellows are very tatty. It's a very old Devere, um, which looks like some kind of torture device. It's this cast iron thing with pulleys and yeah, yeah. It's a, a wall mounted one. Yeah. Um, uh, but it came with box of lenses and um, porcelain plate washers for really? shooting glass plates and yeah. stuff. Yeah, amazing stuff. It looks like a, like old kind of plumbing, like sanitary kind of equipment. And kind of, yeah, it probably was made by the same sort of potteries that made yeah, probably, yeah. urinals and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so I've, it's I've been, it is I've awesome. been looking for a, for a 4x5 and larger, and I just... But, well, my problem is I can't afford one. So well, I, I say I, I can't find one that I can't find one. I can find plenty of them. But I just can't afford them. I feel a bit guilty because I was given this. Really? My my childminder, um, her dad, um, who I bumped into at the photography show. He, he oh, goes right, up yeah. He's a lovely guy. Yeah. Uh, he's a passionate kind of um, amateur photographer. He's retired now. I don't think he was a professional photographer. I'm not sure. But he's you know, all digital. But it was from his camera club. They had this gear there, and, and they were moving somewhere else. And he thought of me when when they were moving, and just called me and said, "Oh, you know, I can drop this off if if you know if you'll use it." Um, wow. So I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, definitely." This was before I knew about the Intrepid Enlarger. So yeah. this seemed to be my only option for enlarging four by five. So I feel a bit bad because. Part of me just thinks, oh Christ, it would just be easier if I just paid the 180 or whatever it is for the intrepid mm-hmm. enlarger and did it off a tripod. It would make a lot of sense really to go that way. But I feel a little bit like, oh, I've got to kind of feel a little bit of a duty to, to actually use get it. this working, to say to him, yeah, like this is working, rather than just letting it sit there or just selling it off to somebody else who can be asked. Um, the, I did look at um, an Intrepid enlarger, but they don't. It won't fit in my speed graphic because of the back that's on my on my speed graphic. Is I can't remember what even what it's called, but it's the wrong type of back, so I can't oh, fit one in it. Really? Yeah. That's odd. I thought it was a, a sort of it's a four by five speed graphic. Yeah, it? but I oh, I haven't got it with me. But there. are um, there's several different types of back, from what I understand, with the speed graphic, and mine is the one that has it has like the little li- uh, flap that lifts up, so you can look at your ground glass, and then you just pull that back slightly uh-huh. to to put in to slide the dark slide in. Right, I'm, I'm not sure how I'm not sure how the other ones work, but I, mine you can't fit a, an intrepid lamp. The light source won't go in it. Right, it's okay. So it's a bit annoying. Yeah. Who who is it? Was it um, Evil Chutney? Yeah. Who, ma- who made made yeah Joe Baker, isn't it? Was it him who made a four by five enlarger out of bits and pieces? 
Um, I don't know if he made a 4 by 5 enlarger. He definitely made an enlarger. Ah, okay. Yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Because they're, they're kind of pretty pretty basic. You know, the vast majority of what an enlarger is is kind of dead simple, really. Well, it's just a camera, isn't it? Hence the intrepid enlarger works, because it's just a well, camera in reverse. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I, try, I tried to make one, because I've got... <clears throat> I don't know if I've ever told you, but I've got an old uh, Gandolfi 4x5 camera, like one of the old, old, old wooden jobbies. Um, right. But I've never used it out in the field because um, talking to Simon Forster, it looks like the the holders, because I didn't think it was 4x5 at first because a standard 4x5 double dark slide doesn't fit in it. Um, they're a bit too big to go in like the, the holder bit on the back of the camera. So right. I didn't think it was 4x5. Um, I don't I don't know much about the other side, but I assumed it was what they call it, like half plate or quarter plate or one of those yeah. other sizes that's kind of similar to four by five. Um, but I sort of was messaging him one night, and he was like, "Oh, if you measure this bit and you measure that bit, you'll be able to tell what what size it is." So I measured it, and he's like, "That sounds like four by five. Uh, it might just be that this Gandolfi is so old that it takes like a proprietary wooden film holder." Right. Yeah. So I tried to I tried to turn that or just see if the principle of if I could turn that into an enlarger. And what did I do? I basically I put it on a tripod and just because I didn't have anything. I didn't have a um, what am I saying? Something to put the negative in. I just laid it on the top and shone like a light on top of it. Um, obviously with the lens in the bottom and. I was hoping that the picture would just kind of come straight out on the bottom, but it didn't work. And I'm not really sure why it didn't work, whether the light source that I was using wasn't the right, wasn't bright enough or was too bright or something. All I was getting was just like a little spot underneath it. So, Right. Oh, you're making me think now. Um, I've been offered a, a number of, um, I think they were half plate cameras right. um, that needed a bit of work. And I just thought, well, no, I'm shooting four by five. It's, you know, it's not different enough to be worth the effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that would have been a really easy enlarger project. Because it's kind of the, I suppose it's the, the focusing mechanism and the bellows are handy. Mm-hmm. Although you can kind of, I think you can probably do without the bellows really for an for an enlarger. You could use a bag or something. We bag that like your 4x5 film comes in or something where your paper comes in yeah surely wouldn't that work yeah I'm sure it would you could break something up that was just a bit <laughs> you know crap looking but worked um, but yeah it would be a really good basis for a homemade enlarger something yeah. like that well huh. yeah I think I was listening to the homemade camera podcast a few weeks or months back and they were talking about um, like the basics of make, I don't think they'd made one, but they were talking about how an enlarger isn't really a difficult thing to make, and that was what made me think about that Gandolfi. So I, I, I need to give that another try because I don't see any reason why that why that won't work. I'm assuming what happened is because I just laid the neg on the basically the hole that light was going all around it, and maybe I need to make like some sort of cardboard negative holder that fits in that gap and actually blocks out the light so to actually try it and see if it works yeah i think uh, uh, like a, yeah a frame yeah a perfect frame for it would probably be 
essentially, I would have thought. Yeah. Because um, I'd, I'd, I'd contemplated making, like, a film holder for it, but then it didn't seem to be worth the effort because I have my speed graphic. It didn't seem to be worth the effort to make something just to, simply to use that camera. To go and shoot it, shoot with it, yeah. To go and shoot it. Although it has it has got, like, a full range of movements on it, so that could add oh, something different yeah. to my to my shots that I can't do with the speed graphic. So. I've heard the name Gandalf probably from you <clears throat> but I'm not really familiar with them at all Gandalfi I think they're still around um, if you google like Gandalfi cameras I'm pretty sure they do still make um, big probably 4x5 or larger cameras but they've been around for years and years and years like hundreds of years probably um, but this sp- is how are you spelling that? Um, G-A-N-D-O-L-F-I Gandalfi yeah. Oh, okay. If you if you picture in your head like the the cliche wooden large format camera, that's what again, well, that's what this Gandalfi that I've got looks like. How do you spell that? Said one dyslexic to another. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I had to type it out. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I, I mean, I could walk into the next room and go and get it because it does have a plate on the side that says it. But and I got it. I found it now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't yeah, know I what. see this. I don't know what model it is. I don't think it actually says anything other than Gandolfi cameras. But does it have the brass kind of? Um, uh, well, I don't know what you'd call them. The sort of sort of struts that you you've got uh, knobs on it that you with, with a, a slot in the brass. Is it that type oh, of one? Hang on, I'll go and get it. Give me a minute. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, it's a stereo one here. That looks cool. Right. So it's big and wooden, and everything on it that isn't wood is brass. Really? Well, I guess it would be, but that's not. No, it's a light. It's got a leather handle on the top. So. You fold. Oh, that's fucking complicated. So you have to loosen off all the little turning knobs, and then it, the base kind of folds down on it. Base folds down to at ninety degrees, and then you have to. And that, that has has the base got like a rack and pinion yes. arrangement in it? Oh, yes. Wow, I'm looking at a photo of something similar. I think that's amazing. It looks like a really nice one. Yeah, it's it's so. If you look on online, people are actually set, like selling these for like thousands of pounds, and I kind of I didn't pay for mine, so I can't remember if I told this story before. But when I was at uni, when I was still doing my degree, um, I wanted to build a a large format camera, and this Gandolfi was just sitting in the like photography office. And I was like, that looks ideal. That's what, in my eyes, a large format camera is supposed to look like. Um, and that's what I want to make. So I spoke to my tutor and I was like, what are the chances of being able to borrow that just to sort of measure up and sort of know what I need to, to make it? And he was like, yeah, it's fine. Just uh, obviously, it, it, no one knew who it belonged to. It just kind of was always there, you know, like one of those yeah. things. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. Just like keep hold of it. 
uh, obviously treat it with respect and bring it back when you're done. And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. And it sort of came home and then I sort of measured up a few bits of it and realised it was going to be much more complicated to make than I could actually make myself. And then that tutor uh, left and then uh, yes. like a year later I left and no one ever mentioned the camera again. <laughs> I thought that. That's where this was going. Can't so we just I, said that publicly. <laughs> it would have just remained quiet. <laughs> so, yeah, so I've still got it right here. And obviously, if they ever say, like, wait, we need that back, then I'll obviously give it back because it's not mine. But I'm treating it with the respect that it deserves. And frankly, sitting on that shelf in that old office, university office, it was never getting any use. So maybe I'll use it as an enlarger. <laughs> But anyway, my point with it is, got a tripod socket on it, and it will perfectly happy sit on a tripod at ninety degrees to what it should do. And the whole back. So how do you actually even? Well, so it's got a ground glass on the back of it, and the panel that the ground glass is in folds like down, and then there's clearly a space where your film holder should go. But it's like a double jointed hinge, is it? That's kind of drops out well it's like the whole no it's, it's like a well, it's just like a door that just opens from like top to bottom you know right Does that makes sense so it just kind of folds down and then you would put your film holder in the hole that it opens up that is left and then there's a little um little catch that then just holds that in place but the recess that the film holder fits in is bigger and a slightly different so it, yeah it's bigger than what a normal double dark side would fit in so i'm holding up a just a normal toyo 405 film holder now and it just it doesn't it sits on it but it doesn't sit in it if you know what i mean yeah it doesn't lock in <clears throat> right so, sounds awesome it is awesome did it come with the lens it came with the lens that i use on my speed graphic now so that and that well that lens clearly isn't supposed to go with this camera because that is a um that's a fairly modern lens and this is not a modern camera and the board the the lens board that comes with a gandolfi is this nice sort of wooden one um but that have kind of been butchered around to fit a metal lens board onto that board just to fit this lens. So I think this one is just supposed to have just like a normal barrel lens, like an old school barrel barrel lens, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I can kind of picture what a barrel lens is, but is that a specific definition? Is that what is there some sort of characteristic of what makes a barrel lens? Um or well, is it no when shutter? When I'm saying a barrel lens, I just mean it doesn't have a shutter. It's like ah, sort of yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's kind of what I didn't realise as I started speaking. But yeah, I guess they just didn't have shutters, did they? Yeah, that's that's all I mean by it. I mean, this doesn't have yeah. a shutter in the body like the, like the speed graphic does. Right, yeah. I'm going to... Uh, now you just have a bowl of hat. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to use modern technology now to try and send you a picture whilst we're doing this so hold oh, for that right bracing myself I can't talk whilst I'm doing that obviously because that would just be ridiculous <clears throat> yeah. 
It doesn't have a lens in it at the moment, but, but yeah, this has got like, I can't remember what all the technical names are, but uh, rise and fall on the front. That's where it goes up and down, presumably. It makes sense. Rise and fall on the front and on the rear as well, I think. Oh, no. Oh, it sounds like a guillotine. Sorry? It sounded like a guillotine. <laughs> that was it sliding along the table. No, so you can, I don't know what this is called, but you can, to the, oh God, I think I have to explain it. So the back, so you have the back standard. The back standard is the bit, is that the bit that the bellows are attached to at the back? All right, have you got that picture that I sent you? Where Where have you sent it to? I just, te I just texted to you. Oh right, okay. Um, look at my phone. Oh yeah, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so lovely condition. It is. It's not the the base plate is a little bit cracked. That's all on it. If you look at the back of the camera, right, where that hinge is, and this is going to be really shit for listeners. I keep forgetting that we're actually recording this. Um, if you look where that back, um, like travel mechanism bit is, behind that, that whole panel goes backwards as well so that back splits in two if that makes sense yeah so you can pull the bellows back but the little bit where the gandolfi badges stays fixed i can see yeah there's slotted bits of brass knurled knobs that's right so, so you can, it comes back by an inch yeah so you can pull it all the way back if you want or you can just pull the front back or the what oh, sorry the top you can move the top of it forwards and backwards or you can move the bottom forwards and backwards i don't know if that's what movement is that? I have no idea, actually. But you can do that, and that's really fun. Hang on a minute. Isn't Ga Gandalf... Oh, God. My phone started up. Isn't Gandalfi... Um, they're not a London British maker, are they? Oh, I'm assuming so. The badge says Gandalfi Makers London, so... Oh, shit, right. I think, I think there's a YouTube video... Um, of one of the guys, one of the owners. I think it was yes. filmed in the early seventies, or yeah, yeah, they're about making them. And they they had a, a router. I'm I assumed a router was a power tool, but the, he calls it a router. But it's just like a mini plane where he's cutting out uh, a recess in the wood on the base plate for little brass fittings. Um, okay, yeah, a mate of mine sent me a video of of that of their workshop. It must have been like the BBC or something did a documentary yeah, think, about them. But I think they're yeah, done the yeah. rounds on Facebook, not or on in the in the groups, not that long ago. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah I saw that. But yeah, that's oh, the right. same. That's the same company. Yeah. Wow. I'm looking at that camera now, and I just I actually want to really shoot it. I was saying that there's no point in me shooting it, but oh man, yeah, you got to. That does look cool, doesn't it? But I can't. I can't. It, it goes back to this potentially proprietary film holder. I can't find one. You can make one. Yeah, probably good. No, what I could do is I could get in touch with Steve, Kramer Camera Steve, and say, you make me one. Yes, that sounds brilliant. <laughs> and make it make it look really cool and wooden. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that might not be a bad shout. If I can measure that, that would probably be easier for him to make something, wouldn't it, than me to make something, seeing as I don't have a clue what I'm doing. 
as soon as it would be him making it, not you. That was it. Well, that he's, does sound easy. <laughs> he's made he's made his uh, dry plate holders, and yeah. sorry, they can't be well, that yeah. much different, can it? Yeah, I mean it's yeah. I, I think it's kind of AutoCAD ish, isn't it? I suppose the d- difference would be an alteration in some drawing on as it's like a software thing rather than it making it presumably would be the same process for him or the machine i don't know i'm volunteering steve so <laughs> right. i'm pretty sure steve doesn't listen to this but i don't know it might be because i'm sitting here thinking like making something out of wood but that's not the way things work anymore like if i can if i can get i mean it's not hard to get the measurements and there is like a little like a flanged little side to it where the where there clearly is supposed to be a, a holder sitting, like a little light trap. And I can see at one point there was, there's remains of a little bit of foam that runs down, down the sides and the light trap. So if I can measure it, then maybe I could make something out of wood. Yeah. <clears throat> well, wait, Phil did. He made uh, eight by 10, or were they larger? They might, I think they were larger film holders right. um, out, out of wood. Took a couple of weekends of kind of messing about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of amazing, really. It made the rear standard as well for uh, no, it's larger than 8x10. What's the next common size up from 8x10? Is it 11 by 14 or something? I'm not sure. No, um, I, I say common. I, wanna, I mean, I want to say 16 by 20, but just because it's twice the size. I don't know. There's something in between it. I think there was. Yeah, I think it was between. But anyway, yeah, it's doable. Um, but it's certainly doable by somebody else. Absolutely. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a book somewhere in the other room. Um, uh, what's that called? And it, it's, it's about. I bought it because it was about making cameras. Um, and I've got I've got half a feeling that there's something in there about making plate holders and that's all about making stuff from wood and i'm pretty sure there's some, there is something in there about making plate holders but I, it's a really whether it's because i'm thick as two short planks or what but it's a really technical book and a lot of it i didn't sort of understand it was talking about using tools that i didn't know what they were so therefore didn't know what they did yeah so it might be worth sort of having a better look at that and maybe trying to find out what they did i don't know it would be it, it does seem a shame for this camera to have sat on that dusty shelf at uni and now sit on my shelf while I'm contemplating using it as an enlarger rather than actually shooting something with it, you know? Yeah. You'll have to send me the exact manage- measurements for the where the, the recess for the film holder because I'll keep an eye out. Um, okay. There's a couple of people who may may have some idea or would you know are more likely than me anyway certainly to come across yeah. those things okay so, yeah all right cool yeah mm. hmm. right. that, that, that's amazing though that the photo you've just sent me is just that's a stunning camera it is, isn't it it's yeah like you say it does look it is in very good nick if you look at it on the bottom there is a well, it's a bit cracked on the where the uh, blah, 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 like where the tripod mount is. It almost looks maybe at some point like it's been 
uh, butchers to fit a new tripod um, mm. mount in it, maybe. I don't know for sure. There's definitely a bit of a crack going on in the bottom. I mean, nothing that's going to affect the picture, obviously, because it's in the base. Does the plate have a, a serial number or anything on it? Is it datable? No, it literally just says Gandolfi Makers London. I mean, for all I know, it might not even be a real Gandolfi. <laughs> it might just be something with a label on it. There's literally no other markings on it at all that I can see. Oh, it looks. It certainly looks right. I, I'm sure it would be. No, literally nothing else. Anyway, it'll make it good and larger if nothing else. <laughs> or a doorstop. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's making a good bookend at the moment. Yeah. Right. Cool. Well, is there anything else you'd like to talk about while we're here, or should we start wrapping this up? Um, we need to talk about this competition. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so last uh, last show we set forth a competition, and and we didn't put a what's the term a closing date on it. So I think we've decided that we're going to run that until what is it now? Fourteenth of June. Did we say we'd run that until the end of July, and then we would pick a winner? Yes, yeah. sounds good. So just to recap on that, um, listener Christopher Grant was. Is that you actually opening another beer? <laughs> yep. <laughs> God damn drunken. What time is it? Ah, oh, it's right, it's only five past eleven. Not even kicking out time yet. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Right, so Krista offered um, a lovely little, uh, what was it? A Rico RF. Oh God, I've forgotten what it was now. A nice little Rico camera and a roll of... Um, T-Max to a lucky listener that he was going to send anywhere in the world and we asked a question and the lucky winner just has to answer that question and email the show so all you have to do I'm not going to repeat that question you just have to go back and listen to it wasn't the last show wasn't it episode 50 go back to episode 50 listen to the question and email whitewash at gmail.com the answer if you'd like to be in with a chance of winning that camera and that roll of film, and it doesn't matter where anywhere you are in the world. And your chances are extremely good. They are the, extremely the good. Odd, the odds are really high. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say what your one in chance is, but it's pretty good at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> even after even after tarting the competition on two other fairly like big podcasts, your chances are still pretty good. So have a listen get your answer in but that's about it for the moment um as you have just said it's just about kicking out time my wife is going to be coming home um any minute now and crashing all over the house probably turning on the tv and making a god awful racket so i think we just wrap this up now yeah <laughs> paint a lovely picture yeah yeah okay. yeah and, and you're clearly you're clearly like halfway to drunk so yeah have it's you got the... work have you got work tomorrow no i haven't yeah no, I've got to get up and get the kids to school. Kim's working nights at the moment. I wish you So, uh, yeah, they're off to school in the morning, which is Yeah, yeah, two of ours are. So yeah. i got to get up for that. All right, well, maybe just leave it at that last beer then, all right? Yeah, okay. 
All right, dude. How can people get in contact with you should they wish? Um, Alex Purcell or Grainy Blur on social media. Just find me. Just on social media in general. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, well, I assume so, unless it's uh, yeah. Well, that's just Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I'm sure cool. there's many other things that I'm not on. Not on. I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, cool. I'm Neil underscore Piper on Instagram. That's about where the only place you can really find me at the moment. Um, follow along with the show's Instagram if you like. That's um, just at certain whitewash on Instagram as well. And if you've got anything, if you'd like to enter the competition or want to send us an email about anything at all, certainwhitewash at gmail.com. That's about it for this week, I reckon. Unless there's anything you want to add in? No, that's it. No, an email would be cooler, wouldn't it? It would be cool. I'd quite like to read an email from somebody. Even if it's just like make some show notes and fucking stick to them, you pair of morons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. No, I suppose it's, it's been opinion. <laughs> get Alex off the Stella. Yeah. Okay. All right, dude. Well, take care, you. Well, sure. And yeah. take care, everybody else. And we shall talk to you again soon. Yeah, All right. Stay safe, everybody. All the best. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye. That was potentially the most rambly show ever recorded. <laughs> Not just by us, by anybody. <laughs>